Hi everyone, I'm Dee. And I'm Alex. And together we're DNA. And you're listening to the DNA of Mindful Relationships podcast. Sex. Most people think about it. Some people talk about it. And some people even do it. Ooh. How important is sex really to your relationship? Is this going to be that episode? Yes, I hope so. Oh, I'm so excited. Let's explore sex in this episode titled, Let's Talk About Sex, Baby. So let's talk about sex. So an obvious question is, well, why do we have sex? We know animals have sex to procreate. We have sex to procreate. But we're one of the few species uh, amongst a few primates that have sex for pleasure. How does that come to be? Um, because it's fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> do you need another reason? <laughs> no, no, well, that, that's a good enough reason. So we, we, have, we have sex, obviously, to um, continue our offspring and our gene pool. Mm. Um, but we have sex for pleasure, and we obviously have sex for pleasure in relationships and outside of relationships. Mm. And today, I guess we're going to explore what role sex has and how does it fit into our relationships, I guess. Yeah, so our topic today is called Let's Talk About Sex Baby, but we're not going to talk about sex outside of relationships and um, the details of sexual intimacy. Or the, you look disappointed, Alex. No, no, that's that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> but we're really going to talk about um, the importance of sexual intimacy in a relationship and how. I mean, we all know that sex is important for a relationship, for an intimate relationship. Sex is a crucial part of it. I think that goes without saying. Yeah, yeah, we all, yeah. I think we're all brought up to yeah. see that sex is part of a relationship, and that's the end of our episode because that's all I want to say. <laughs> really, very short episode. <laughs> but I just wanted to break down the details as to why it's so crucial, um, and particularly as the desire to procreate is no longer there. You may have already had children. It may be you know pre-children. But or you might just have a headache. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but why is it so crucial? Well, I'm going to just cite a study that happened fairly recently, in fact, in 2017. And what they did was they studied a number of couples, a hard, uh, sorry, a large number of couples, and they just explored the role of sex in their relationships. Mm-hmm. And... What they found, now the, the, the findings aren't that surprising, <clears throat> that obviously sex was an important part of the relationship, but what they found was that um, sex impacts on the well-being of the individual and it also impacts on the well-being of the couple. Mm-hmm. So the more sex a, a couple has, it found that the, the greater the, the relationship well-being, if you like. Mm-hmm. The, the total sum well-being factor. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, what to call that. but So, you know, they're, they're not surprising findings. But what they did find is that um, 
couples that had sex within the last 24 hours showed more affection to each other. Just on a sort of, um, you know, daily basis during the day um, in mundane kind of, you know, situations like preparing dinner or having a conversation or going for a walk. There was more physical affection, kisses, hugs. So that was interesting. Yeah, well, I would guess that would also come from if you're not intimate with your partner, that could come from a number of reasons. One of them could be that you don't have an intimate relationship out of the bedroom. That's correct. And what they found was that couples that um, weren't having a lot of sex clearly weren't being very affectionate to each other as well. But the couples that were being affectionate and not having sex... The, the well-being of the relationship was actually quite high. Mm-hmm. So what they found was, um, you know, if you remember in last week's episode, we talked about the various different types of intimacy. And a lot of people rate sexual intimacy as the most important form of intimacy in a relationship. I think what this, find, this study found was that it was actually more the um, – physical affection, kisses and hugs that um, couples rated higher Mm -hmm. and led to more sexual intimacy, if you like. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's almost... to simplify a study there. Well, I've heard, I've heard many times saying that foreplay starts from the moment you get up in the morning and goes throughout the whole day. It's not about the 10 minutes in bed before you have sex. It's, uh, it's how you relate to each other throughout the day and build up that affection. That's, that's right. And um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting that... Um, Sexuality is one of those topics that some people grow up finding um, that they don't really discuss it. Um, not, not necessarily they discuss it in their families, but it's not a topic that they're used to discussing. and It's a topic often that they're uncomfortable talking about. It might be taboo in the family as they grew up. Their parents never brought it up. It yeah. was never even joked about. It was probably just yeah. unspoken. And, and never really saw mum and dad joking about their sexual relationship or not even directly joking about it, there was no real signs of affection, kisses and hugs that implied that they had a physical relationship at all. So um, at the very sort of core of it, a lot of people struggle talking about their own sexuality and it's really hard. If you can't communicate what you... um, what you like, what you dislike in terms of your sexuality, then it's really hard to have a satisfying sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. So um, so I just found that interesting that this study showed that um, uh, affection is very important to the personal and relationship satisfaction factor. And so, so couples that, um, for whatever reason, t- due to external factors, if, they, if there isn't um, a lot of sexual um, intimacy happening, they may have just had a baby or there may be illness um, or a lot of stress. If there's still a lot of affection, kisses and hugs and touching, then again, they found that um, the the intimacy levels and the well-being in the couple, in the relationship, was quite high. 
Mm. Yeah, but it's interesting, you, one of the, the phrases you said there was if they were having a lot of sex. Now, obviously, this is quite a subjective thing about what constitutes a lot of sex between mm. couples. What is a normal amount of sex? And I'm sure there are studies that have been undertaken. Um, and But I think there's no real normal. It's it's very different. Some people say, oh, you know, I've, I've had a lot of sex five times this week. Another person might say, I've had a lot of sex five times this month. So it's quite relative, I guess, to your individual situation and, and I guess how that how that gets negotiated, mm. I guess. Yeah, look, I, I don't think there is a norm, and I agree with you. Um, it depends on the couple and what, what they enjoy. And um, and as a, as a couple's therapist, I mean, I've spoken to couples where they have sex, you know, every morning and every night and in between if they can. Wow. And I've spoken to couples where they'd be happy if they could have it once a week. Mm. So there's a big discrepancy there, but they're just – those two couples are just as happy and satisfied in their relationships. So it really depends on the two people and what their needs are and what their sexual drives are like. Mm. Which brings up the point about the differences between men and women when it comes to sex as well. In your experience, Dee, in your, yes. your couples therapy that you do, um, do you see a difference between the way men and women view sex in the relationship and the importance that's placed on it and the frequency and, and what, what sex might look like from, from each mm. point of view? Yeah, men think about it all the time and women don't, no. <laughs> Did you just say something? Sorry. That's a real stereotype. And um, I think the reality is in my private practice and the couples that I see, I would say majority of the men in those relationships do want more sex mm-hmm. and, um, you know, talk about feeling closeness with their partner through the sexual intimacy and that's how they feel, you know, the bonding and the, and the, um, the connection with their partner. And majority of the women, I have to say, in my experience, um, are looking for that closeness through the emotional intimacy before they can have the sexual intimacy. So it creates a little bit of a um, dilemma when it comes to a couple that I've seen where there's been a little bit of a rift um, and distance has grown between them, it's really hard to get back to the sexual intimacy because it's a bit of a stalemate. Mm. So what I mean by that is that you need a little bit of little bit of the sexual intimacy and a little bit of the emotional intimacy happening at the same time. And it's really difficult because both are waiting for the other to initiate what they need. It sounds like the emotional intimacy would need to come first for the woman to feel physically aroused, I guess, to want to go there. And for the man, I guess, he he just needs to breathe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so the woman is sitting back waiting for the emotional intimacy to build and develop. So to feel loved and cared for, to hear words of affection, to have conversations where she feels cared for and and that that person, their partner, is interested in them. The woman is waiting for that. And then the man is waiting for, you know, that doesn't come as easy for some men. So 
they're waiting for, you know, a hug, a kiss, maybe a, um, a random kind of um, kiss on the lips or, you know, touching um, the, his body in a, in a, you know, very kind of... Sensual way. Sensual way, thank you. <laughs> you look like you were struggling <laughs> I was there. struggling to say that in an appropriate way. Um, yeah, and so they're both waiting for that and often, you know, they can be waiting for a long, long time. And so to break that spell, I guess, what I often talk to couples about is that sometimes you've got to fake it to make it. And if you don't feel physically, and, and for the woman, if they don't feel physically like um, able to have sexual intimacy with their partner, to allow that to happen when they feel safe enough, obviously, a lot of therapy needs to happen at this point with the couples that I work with to create that emotional safety but to allow that physical closeness to happen even if it's not necessarily sexual intercourse it's just you know being um, intimate or sensual with each other maybe in bed um, maybe with clothes off or clothes on doesn't matter but just to be sensual with each other to allow that to happen so that it actually triggers for the man some emotional closeness where he starts to open up and feel safe and feels that, you know, the the bonding hormone develop, oxytocin. Because this is the other crucial part about sexual intimacy and sexual intercourse with your partner, and that is the, you know, the, the bonding hormone that actually makes people feel really good about themselves and, and good about their partner and happy as well not just good but happy and uh, connected and bonded so this is all part of the endorphins release and the the hormones release to make you feel good right that's right so you feel yeah. good within yourself because that's the feel good yeah. but then you also have that bonding moment with your partner yeah so men often need that physical closeness so that they can feel safe to open up emotionally and start talking about some of their feelings However, if both parties are waiting for the other to do the right thing, um, it's, it's going to take a long, long time. And so, you know, often I'll, you know, talk to the couples that I see about giving a little bit to your partner of the thing that they're wanting. Um, because if you sit back and wait, it's going to be very lonely and very um, and feel very disconnected. So this is a I don't want to say the word stereotype because generally in the in, like I said the couples that I see that's how it works. But I've seen cases where it's the the man that wants the emotional intimacy and the woman doesn't really want to talk and just wants physical connection. So there are you know couples where it's the opposite, but generally that's the case. I don't know if this is something, Alex, you talk about with your mates. <laughs> Hello, what? <laughs> um, is, it, is this something you talk about with your friends? Um, about what? About emotional intimacy. Just, you know, opening up emotionally or is it, is it a no-go zone? Um, no, I feel I'm a fairly evolved person. Mm. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's not something we go out and just yeah, pass a beer. Uh, how's your emotional intimacy going? <laughs> um, Why not? 
Well, you um, can start this movement. Yeah, I could. where you're helping men to talk about their emotional um, or their feelings and their emo- their intimate relationships. Oh, there are lots of men's groups, and those sorts of things are freely discussed in yeah. those environments. But I think. With your friends, look, you will talk about it to some degree if you feel safe, you know, maybe in a one-on-one more so than in a group situation. Mm. Um, yeah, if you feel that you've got the right connection with, with someone to talk to about that, then sure, why not? Because mm. at the end of the day, no one's an island, no one lives experiences on their own. We all think you know, what we're going through is unique to us, but uh, generally other people have gone through similar sorts of things. So sometimes sharing really helps. Yeah, and that's that's part of the reason why we're doing this podcast because people do often feel like this is just unique to our relationship. This is a problem that you and I have to deal with and they don't really reach out for help. And these are really common issues in a lot of relationships, whether they're new relationships or you've been together for 20 years, it doesn't matter. Mm. And um, just going back to the scenario of, the, of uh, men and women dealing with sexual intimacy quite differently and needing like different ways of connecting sexually, um, often I'll talk to men about helping their partner, their female partner, feel safer by connecting with them emotionally first. Because men will say things like, all I just want is a hug and some sex. That's all I want. But for a woman, to do that feels empty. So being able to help them meet her halfway and being able to help her meet him halfway is is the key. Mm-hmm. Cool. Can I ask another question? Sure. Um, when is the right time to start having sex? Like if you've just been dating someone, let's just say it's the beginning mm-hmm. of something. Is there, I know there's no normal right time and the right time is there's when it's no right. real recipe. Yeah. So, but is there, is there, is there something that you should look for, an indicator, or is there anything you should think about or consider at least when you're thinking, well, when, when is the right time to even go there? After well, the second date, after you've parked the car, when is the first time? Um, I think, yeah, the answer, I, I don't think there's a clear answer to that question. It's a good question, though. The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. <laughs> oh, look at it go. <laughs> um, I know that some... Um, some of my single friends have the four date rule. So you wait for four dates just to really check out if this is where you want to go. Even if you, even if you desperately would like to be sexually intimate with that person, just to wait at least four dates. So that's where foreplay comes from. (laughs) True. (laughs) Um, we're, we're learning new things all the time on Mm. this podcast. So that's one thing. The other thing is, you know, I remember reading on a um, some sort of uh, blog where a question was similar to that was put out there. When is it okay to have sex? And if you have sex on the first date, do, does does that mean? And this question was directed at men, by the way. Um, as a man, if a woman has sex with you on the first date, does that mean you think of them differently? And I actually read all the um, most of the men's answers. And to be honest, they all said no. You know, if it feels right, it feels right. And, um, you know, there wasn't a perception of, no, they shouldn't be doing that, and I think less of them. So the men were saying, you just go with the feeling if it feels 
you know, right and you feel very connected and attracted, why not? Yeah, I, th- I think the answer is that it's you don't view the other person in a different way. I think it's it fe- if it feels right at the time, then it feels right at the time, but there's no guarantees that this is going to go on to be a forever relationship necessarily. No, no. And I know people that have waited three months mm-hmm. before having sex. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> It was the woman that waited three months and he had to wait. So, um, Well, I did see the question. That is didn't it, work out, by the way. Is it okay to have sex before marriage? And I think the answer is yes, as long as it doesn't keep all the guests waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I hadn't heard that one before. That's mm. good. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up about um, sex in a intimate relationships is – you know, we know it's really important, but there are times when, um, you know, you may not feel comfortable to have sex. You may be really tired. You may be feeling unwell. You may just not feel in the mood. And, you know, like before I was saying that sometimes you need to give a little bit if you know that's important to your partner, To if, if being physically intimate in that moment is important. I think that's a... That's a lovely thing to do with your partner. However, if you definitely don't feel connected to the sexual intimacy in that moment, one of the most important things, and, and I, you know, I've read this um, about um, being a factor that actually keeps relationships together, is feeling safe to say no to sex and your partner responding to that in a really loving way rather than in a defensive or an aggressive or a sulky way. Oh. Exactly like that. Oh, really? (laughs) Um, And I think this is something that um, people don't really talk about openly, but if you can accept that you – if you have a reasonably good sexual relationship, times when you don't have sex for whatever reason – like I said, it could be just, um, you know, your partner has a headache <laughs> or has to get up early that morning or it could be just an emotional reason. To to be able to allow that to happen and look, maybe what you could do is say, is there anything else we could do? Maybe it's just a cuddle time. Maybe it's just, can we just um, spoon a little... <laughs> I'm sorry, I laughed when I said that because I've never actually said spoon on a recording before. Can we spoon? Can I be the little spoon? I prefer to fork, but if you want to spoon, <laughs> that's fine. So, um, but feeling okay to say no and, and have that no accepted because often what happens in sexual relationships is resentment can build up because you're not getting the, the amount of sex that you're wanting Um, or the type of sex that you're wanting. And the key to that, like any problem that we've talked about on this podcast, is to be able to communicate. That's what what I like to call oral sex. Listen to your partner. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you have two ears. Listen to what your partner has to say. Don't do anything kinky with your ears, though. Just (laughs) listen. (laughs) So um, being able to communicate... Um, what you want sexually or what your needs are is really important, but maybe not in that moment when your partner is saying no. You can take a rain check. You can take a rain check. And 
but to say to do that in a with grace and um, diplomacy. you know diplomacy and love. Now, if you if you're not satisfied sexually in the relationship because you haven't had sex for a long, long time, and a long, long time might be three months has passed, and you could haven't be three had three hours sex. for some <laughs> depending couples. on who you are, <laughs> it could be, babe, it's been three hours. <laughs> no, that that doesn't sound right. Um, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> you got Alex, derailed on I? that train, I think. You were just going to say that if you haven't had sex for a long time, then... Oh, yeah. Then then it's um, crucial that you actually make time to talk about your sexual relationship. Don't wait till bedtime um, because when people are tired and, um, you know, exhausted from the day. Make time to talk about it and... You know, it may not be one conversation that resolves the sexual issue. Sometimes sexual issues can be quite deep and go beyond. Often just sexual your... issues are deep. <laughs> it can go, oh my God, the innuendos. Um, <laughs> yeah, it can go beyond what's happening just between you and your partner. Um, and that's worth exploring. For example, um, you know, sex, somebody, one of the. Um, parties may be may have been brought up with sex being taboo and it's really difficult for them to talk about their sexuality openly and and even to ask for what they'd like but being able to do that with your partner is crucial it's no different to talking about what you would like for dinner talking about you know how you would like to be treated it's no different to any of those sort of conversations Mm. and okay so let's speaking about that how how do you negotiate sex in a couple so one person wants it more frequently than the other how do you i mean because that's that's you know if one person's on this end of the spectrum one person's Mm. on this end how do you actually find middle ground or or do you yeah, like I think that is a challenge for, for couples. But I think talking about finding the middle ground, communicating that um, quite openly, we can't always get what we want. But, you but can we can get, get what we you. need. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so you may not be – it may not suit your partner to, you know, have sex every morning, you know, before you go off to work. Um but finding a middle ground where, that suits both of you is really important as well. The other thing is that if your sex drive is, is kind of on the lower side compared to your partner. On the lower east side. <laughs> yes. Um, it, you know, sometimes I think um, sexuality, we, we kind of talk about it in terms of I've got to be in the mood every single time. And... One of the things that, um, you know, I've kind of discovered in terms of the couple's work that I do and the reading that I've done, particularly with Esther Perel, is that sometimes it is about um, giving of yourself even though you're not necessarily in the mood. And sometimes with with um, sexual intimacy, um, you can not necessarily get into the mood or you can give something out of love and enjoy it for for what it is. Mm. That's often what it, sometimes a quickie 
can be the solution when you're not really in the mood, but you want to mm. lend a hand. I don't know <laughs> so what a quickie speak. is. What's what's a quickie? No. <laughs> do you want to do you want to give us the the nitty gritty details? Let's move along. Let's I move think. Along. <laughs> well, what I was referring to was the, um, you know, sometimes there is a bit of a reluctance to. Um, to go down that path. Well, as you said, fake it till you make it. Sometimes yeah. you can get in the mood and sometimes you just go, okay, well, I wasn't in the mood that time, but I hmm. you know, gave something for my partner. And it felt good. It may not feel like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, amazing, ecstatic, you know, sexual experience, but it doesn't have to be like that every time anyway. It is no different to um, when I talk to men um, in – in relationships um, that have difficulty communicating their emotions, you know, again, fake it till you make it. I, I help them with the words and the, the questions to, to use. And when they start doing that, they actually realize, oh, okay, I may not be into this conversation, but I'm getting a connection with my partner that's mm. important to my partner. We've had that with some of our friends who have listened to our podcast and uh, one person really is excited about it, the other one not so much, but they get into it because it facilitates discussion. Yes, that's hmm. right. So, um, yeah. What else can we talk about when it comes to sex? Well, let's talk about sex. So we've talked about um, how important it is and the benefits it provides. We've talked about the differences between men and women. Um in terms of moving forward with sex, does sex change through your relationship over time as you get older? How, do, how does that progress from, you know, if you're 20, 30-year-old in the relationship and now you're a 50, 60, 80-year-old, does sex still happen into your 80s, 90s? Why not? Why not? If, if it's something you value, um, it most likely does, although I, I haven't had a lot of couples come in in their 80s and 90s for me to really explore. But, um, you know, it depends, you know, like anything, if, if you value it, you make it a part of your life and you make it a part of your relationship. But your sexuality and sex itself does change as you get older. And it, in particular, it changes for men and women. You know, um, studies show that men's sexual peak is when they're 18 and it's all downhill from there, baby. Right. All right. Now you tell me. <laughs> and women's sexual peak is more around the mid-30s, 40s. Mm. So it's, it's, it's quite a big discrepancy in when sexuality um, is important and heightened for each you know, of the genders. So men are just exploring their sexuality as teenagers and really into it, and women are still, you know, sort of growing into their bodies and understanding sexuality, then in their 30s having babies, and it's not until later in their mid-30s, 40s, that they start going, oh, this is actually quite fun. <laughs> and I'm simplifying it a great deal because I'm sure there are 18, 19-year-olds <laughs> that enjoy sex, um, young women. But, you know, it's often the pattern that I, I see in the relationships that I, you know, couples that I work with. So how do you, and then, you know, when with women in their 40s and they're in a relationship with someone in their 40s or 50s, 
sometimes there's a bit of a sexual decline for the men. Mm-hmm. And to the point where um, erectile dysfunction is occurring, and here you are, you have a woman at the height of her sexuality, and um, you know the children are not so dependent on them, or they may have grown up and you know left home, and their partner's struggling with um, getting it up. Mm. That's what ED is. That could be a little discrepancy, yes. And that becomes a, a huge issue. And often erectile dysfunction, sometimes it can be a biological issue, but sometimes it can be um, quite emotional where there's a lot of anxiety around satisfying their partner. Um, and, you know, it happens often in men in their 50s, 60s, 70s. So it's really important to have that checked out to yeah. make sure it's not something biological. And I guess similarly, menopause can have a similar impact on women too. Yeah, so menopause can have a huge impact on sex. And for some women, it, it, it's, you know, kind of um, hormonally, they're a bit turned off from sex. It's, it, they, there's, there's a loss of interest. And biologically, there's a... Um, unfortunately, a dryness and a, um, you know, kind of discomfort that comes with it. But there are solutions to all of those things. And there's no reason why a couple can't continue uh, having a a healthy sexual relationship, whether it's once a week, once a month, it doesn't really matter, or once a day, um, into their, you know, a long, happy relationship life. So I think the evolution of sex and relationship is try weekly, try weekly and try weekly. Okay. Too bad this isn't video. Yeah, it doesn't work. (laughs) It's not visual, does it? Because he's using hand movements that you can't see. Um, But you get the drift. But you get the drift. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I think we've probably reached the climax of this episode. (laughs) Um, I think that's it for this episode. I'm sure we'll do some more episodes on sex because it is such a, a broad topic and there are it so is. many elements and, and things to say about it. But And I, to- I would love to interview a, a sex therapist to really get um, – to, to delve a bit deeper into the sexual issues between men and women in, in um, intimate relationships. So we'll do that hopefully in the near future. Absolutely. So right now, that's it for this episode. It's goodbye from Alex and goodbye from Dee. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. If you like this episode, then please consider subscribing to find out whenever a new episode drops. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. That's a little purple button on your iPhone, iTunes or Stitcher. You can, of course, go to our website at www.thednaofmindfulrelationships.com or our Facebook page, where you can like us and share our show with your friends. Send us an email to info at thednaofmindfulrelationships.com and ask us questions or give us feedback or maybe suggest some ideas for some upcoming shows. We look forward to catching you next time, and until then, stay mindful. Come on, come on, come on.